Turn in your copy of Scripture to Joel chapter 2, and uh, going to give you a little bit of time to find Joel chapter 2. Joel is in the Old Testament. It's in the uh, part of the minor prophet, so you've got to search a little bit, unless you use one of those fancy digital app thingies. Uh, but uh, go ahead and find Joel chapter 2. While you're turning there, uh, just uh, a couple of things. First of all, uh, uh, beginning of this year, Edie and I made a commitment that we were going to increase our tithes and offerings. We believe it's the right time and the right season. I believe it's a season where God would have our family increase our tithes and offerings. Uh, and uh, it is a season in which Edie and I are, are more able to do that. Uh, but uh, there is still some sense of uh, anxiety whenever you do that, uh, as you might imagine. Uh, anytime you increase uh, certain things, especially tithes and offerings, it's amazing how the enemy, and I talk about the, the devil there, the enemy can get into your head and make you think that everything's going to fall apart because uh, you're putting more money in the church. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But it's what happens, and I'm, I'm a preacher dude. It, that happens to me. So uh, we get a little bit anxious. So one of the things that I did this year in order to help us over the hump uh, was I uh, took some revival meetings, you know, speaking meetings. And I haven't done that a lot uh, since I've been pastor here. But tonight, at uh, beginning at 6.30, I pr begin a revival at Mill Swamp Baptist Church in Ivor, Virginia, Mill Swamp Baptist Church. I cannot wait. Edie and I are going to be there. They're having a barbecue at 5 o'clock. We're going to be there for the barbecue at 5 o'clock. Um, but Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night, the revival is at 7 o'clock at Mill Swamp Baptist Church. I would love for y'all to be there. Uh, is, whoever can get away to get there, come on. Uh, now, give yourself a little bit of time. The uh, uh, pastor, Brother Billy Gardner, said, uh, do you want me to send you directions? I said, no, I can put it in my GPS. And he said, well. Uh, so, Edie and I are going to give ourselves a little bit of extra time uh, to get there. Uh, it takes a little bit more of an, uh, than an hour to get there. But uh, anyway, uh, love for you to join us, Mill Swamp Baptist Church in Ivor, Virginia. Uh, it'd be awesome to see some uh, of my family there. Uh, and we're going to have a great time. We're going to go through the book of Colossians, or at least a portion of it, uh, during this uh, series of meetings, and uh, it's going to be a great time. So, uh, Mill Swamp Baptist Church, and uh, uh, whatever, they, uh, uh, wh whatever happens this week, God's going to bless us uh, and uh, you can come and check because really I'm going as a representative of First Norfolk. Y'all realize that I'm pastor of First Norfolk. Uh, and, uh, and so you might want to see what your pastor says at revival meetings. Uh, Y'all know back in the day when pre preachers would go preaching around, they would go to revival meetings. They say all kinds of things about their church, not always good stuff. Uh, I can promise you I say good stuff about this family of faith because you are my family, and I don't talk bad about my family to strangers. You know what I'm saying? Y'all didn't laugh hardly nearly as much as I thought you would on that. Are y'all talking bad about your family to strangers? I hope not. Um, well, yesterday, Edie and I went, uh, and she found a, 
a couple of antique tables. And uh, we went and we checked them out and we got the antique tables. We brought them home and we set them up. And good news is those antique tables, they don't need any help. I mean, the, the, the legs aren't too wobbly and the drawers work. And, and that's wonderful. And I'm confident that these two antique tables will become a treasured possession for our family, as other antiques have as well. But we have made some antique purchases in the past where the drawers didn't work, and the legs were wobbly, and it needed some help. And what do you do when a treasured possession uh, is broken? What do you do? Well, you take it to somebody who can make that treasured possession whole again. Um, As we look at Joel chapter 2, what we discover is that as followers of Jesus, we are the treasured possession of God. But there are um, seasons and times, sometimes every day, most of us it's every day, where we are broken. We're broken by our sin or we're broken by circumstance, and the question is, what happens to us when we're broken? You've heard me say it. Uh, I am a little broken, and I'm a little broken every single day. But God in His grace and because of His great love longs to take me, broken though I am, make me His treasured possession, make me whole. So how does that work in our lives? In Joel chapter 2, we discover this journey of God taking that which is broken, His treasured possession, and leading to wholeness. Uh, and, and we hear it through uh, the dark scenery of the day of the Lord, and that's verses 1 through 11. And then verses 12 and 13, we see how that we as His people can find wholeness. Uh, In verses 1 through 11, and we'll get through that in just a moment, it's talking about the day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord in Old Testament and New Testament, the day of the Lord is the day of God's visitation, where He brings judgment on sinners and blessing to His people. The day of the Lord could be um, uh, any big, momentous, or even tragic event in the history of humanity. For instance, The destruction of the temple was depicted as the day of the Lord. Um, When Jesus was crucified on a cross, the day of the Lord. World War I would be depicted as day of the Lord. A locust plague in Joel, day of the Lord. It's a day of gloom and darkness. It's a day where God uses... um, momentous events in our lives, He leverages them to point us toward Him. Now listen, it's where God uses momentous events in your life and mine. Parents of teenagers, a rebellious teen, momentous events in our life where God leverages those events to point us toward Him. Miscarriage. Momentous events in our lives that God leverages 
to point us to Him. Cancer. Momentous events in our lives that God leverages to point us to Him. Those are days of the Lord. Now, please understand, there is a big day of the Lord. That big, big, big uh, day of the Lord where God comes in all of His glory toward the end of time, and Jesus splits the heavens wide open, and those who are uh, distanced from God by their sin and separated Him forever from their sin, they are judged. And those who are part of God's family through faith in Christ, they are brought into His, uh, into His rest. That is the big day of the Lord in Scripture. But all these other days of the Lord are important. And that's what we see in Joel chapters 1 and 2. Dark day that God leverages to lead His people toward Himself. Now, let's listen to the first 11 verses. And then let's, let's see. By the way, verses 1 through 11 talk about things that are broken that need to be made whole. Joel chapter 2, verse 1. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is at hand. A day of darkness, a day of gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spreading over the mountains. A people come, great and strong, the like of whom has never been. Nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. A fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. And the land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness." Surely nothing shall escape them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, like swift steeds. They run with a noise like chariots over the mountaintops. They leap like the noise of a flaming fire that devours the stubble, like strong people set in battle array. Before them, the people writhe in pain. All faces are drained of their color. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches on formation. They don't break the ranks. They don't push one another. Everyone marches in his own column, though they lunge between weapons. They are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall, and they climb into houses. They enter at the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark. <clears throat> the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before His army, for His camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes His word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Who can endure it? Who can endure these momentous tragic events in our lives, these circumstances that derail us from hope and break us, who can endure it? You know, the message today is really aimed at one thing for all of us, beginning with me. It's aimed at us reflecting on our relationship with God. Where are you in your relationship with God. I know some of you will say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. I repented my sin, put my trust in Jesus. I saw Jesus 
as God become flesh who dwelt among us. I saw Jesus who lived his life blamelessly and fault, uh, without fault in the sight of, of God his Father. I, see, I saw Jesus, uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I saw Jesus high up on a cross dying in my place for my sin. I saw Jesus buried dead in a borrowed tomb and I saw Jesus raised from the dead after the stone is rolled away. I saw Jesus as my only hope for rescue, and I placed my faith in Jesus. I trusted Him to forgive my sin once and for all and to bring me into God's family. In that moment where I turned from my sin and I trusted in Jesus, I became a son or a daughter of the living God. So why are you asking me? How am I in my relationship with God? Well, because... I've always been a son of my mom or my dad, but I wasn't always proud if they caught me behaving in a certain way. I was always and always have been the son of my mom and dad, but I didn't want them to know some of the stuff I was doing. And as followers of Jesus here today, can I tell you, the day of the Lord is coming, and we need to be ready. And he needs to find us faultless before him. We don't want to be ashamed in that day. And it might not be an eternal decision, but it is a personal decision. Because for us who are broken, God counts us as his treasured possession, but he desires to make us whole. And so, Really, the question is, how are you right now in your relationship with God? How are you in your relationship with God? Not, am I going to heaven when I die? No, I'm talking about right now. How are you in your relationship with the living God as a son or a daughter? You see... The pathway to go from broken to whole is paved with repentance. It is paved by the power of repentance. Repent. And that's the call of the passage today, and it's the call of this message today, and it is the call of God on your life and mine as sons and daughters You know what we're doing here right now and what we've been doing here every week for a couple of hundred years? What we're doing here today is not about religion. It's about a relationship with the living God, high and holy, majestic and powerful. And we, who are His sons and daughters, we need to be ready for that day when we see him face to face. We hear the Apostle Paul talking about this in Romans 13, and I just want to point you to Romans 13, beginning in verse 11. In Romans 13, Paul has given the church, us, specific instructions on how to live our life in conformity to his will. You remember in Romans 12, he says, don't be conformed any longer to the mold of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind uh, that you might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
He's talking about this is the way sons and daughters of God ought to behave in relationship to God who is holy and righteous and true. And so, uh, as he closes this series of exhortations in verses 11 through 14, here's what Paul writes, and he's talking about the day of the Lord. Verse 11, he says, do this, behave in this way, knowing the time. That it is now high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of the darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness or lust, not in strife or envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill in its lusts. He's talking to followers of Jesus, sons and daughters of God, brought into God's family through faith in Jesus Christ. He's talking to you and to me about how we live. So it comes back to the question, how is your relationship with God? How is my relationship with God? See, my deep desire for me and for my family and for us, this family of faith, my desire is for us to be healthy and whole, not broken. And yes, even though I'm a little broken every day, God has made a way for me to be made whole every day. And that's through the power of repentance. You and I, as followers of Jesus, we're God's treasured possession, and He desperately longs for us to be whole, to be vessels, instruments in His hand to accomplish His purposes in the world, to be in right relationship with Him. But that demands repentance. You remember the last verse The last phrase in verse 11, it says, the day of the Lord is a great and terrible thing. Then this question, who can endure it? Who can endure a locust plague that that, uh, eats up everything and causes great famine in the land? Who can can endure uh, this this, uh, terrible circumstance that that we're facing that's, that's robbing us of help and hope? Who can endure it? And the answer is... And those who take hold the power of repentance every single day. See, the key for us to endure bad circumstance, even the most tragic of circumstance, the way that we endure that is not by uh, us uh, depending on our own ingenuity or hard work. The way we endure it is by walking hand in hand with the living God every single day throughout the day. Instead of running away from God in bad circumstance, we must run ever more toward God. That also means that we've got to deal with our sin. Repentance repentance is the powerful tool that God gives us as followers of Jesus, that God gives us to walk in wholeness every day. I, I, I know that, that you're here and you're saying, but Eric, remember, I've I've already repented my sin. 
When I became a follower of Jesus, I saw that my sin separated me from God, and I saw Jesus as the payment for my sin. So I trusted Him. I turned my life over to Him, and I repented my sin. I turned away from those false things that I was depending on to make me right with God, and I turned away from the sin, and I turned to Jesus, and, and He forgave me. He brought me into God's family. But does that mean that I have to keep on repenting? Yes! Our problem is that sometimes we think because we're going to heaven when we die that we don't have to deal with the sin of our everyday life, and that is a lie. We've got to deal with our sin. Who can endure the bad things? The one who takes hold the power of repentance. Repentance means that we turn our hearts fully toward God. We turn our lives, our, our, our very being over toward God. We, we, we set our focus on Him. There are uh, times when uh, uh, my family has gone on a road trip and we've had to take more than one car because I have a granddaughter and her name is Nora. No, we've got a, we've got a big family. So, so there have been times when we've had to take more than one car. And so um, uh, whenever we're on these road trips, we're driving two hours or 10 hours or however long it takes, we, we've got uh, two cars or several cars that are going. And, and I, one of the things that I have to do is be able to see the other car. That's my, that's my family. That's my wife. Those are my daughters. Those are my sons-in-law. I want to see that car. I love the people in that car. I don't want to be disconnected from them. I don't want to, I, I don't want to uh, be separated from them. But there are times when either my foot gets heavy on the speed pedal or theirs does, and, and there is distance between us and that car. And, and, and there are semi-trucks and, and different curves and mountains between me and that car. So what do I do? Because I love those people in that car, man, I will speed up and I'll get around the semis and I will, I will get beyond every obstacle so that my eyes can see my loved ones driving in front of me. Repentance is when we look to God and if there are any obstacles that, that, that are a barrier between us and God, we see those obstacles and we will do whatever it takes to get around those obstacles, cut them out of our life so that we can get to God, see Him. Because He is our help and He is our only hope. So what are the obstacles? Well, the obstacles may be our circumstance, and in that case, we got to have God helping us through those circumstances. But it's also our sin. There are things you can't control. I cannot control a locust plague. Can you? I, I, it's impossibility. I can't rope the wind and I can't tame the whirlwind. I can't fix some things. But one thing I know I can fix is the sin in my soul. The day of the Lord is great and terrible. Who can endure it? Look at verse 12. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. 
Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the, to the Lord your God. The day of the Lord is great and terrible. Who can endure it? The one who turns to the Lord God. The term turn there means I get off the merry-go-round of misery that, that I'm riding by, by holding on to anything in my life that is contrary to the will of God. I get off that merry-go-round and I rest in the land of blessing, holding the hand of the one who has brought me into his family. I do whatever it takes to see God, to turn to the Lord with your whole heart. Man, I'm I think part of the problem that some of us have is we see a passage like that and we hear the word repentance and we think, repent? Repent of what? It's interesting in this passage that, uh, and throughout the book of Joel, there's no mention of specific sin that has caused the locust plague. There's no mention of specific national sin that has created this dilemma. And so certainly somebody in Judah was saying, this is happening, but what sin do I have, O oh God? If you're here today and you hear the word repent, you say, well, repent of what? Please get off your spiritual high horse and let's get honest. There's not one of us here who does not need to repent. Because there's not one of us here who has not sinned. And some of you are sinning right now thinking bad thoughts about me. <laughs> Listen, repentance is not a dirty word. It's not a word for the spiritually immature alone. Uh, repentance is a word, a life-giving, grace-given word so that God's treasured possessions can be made whole. To repent means, God, I acknowledge my sin. And that's why he says, rip open your heart, not, not your clothes. Don't go through this, this um, uh, empty ritualism of repentance, but really tear open your heart and say, God, here am I. Pinpoint my sin. Show me any unclean thing in me so that I might turn from my sin and turn toward you. Oh, God, may my life be in your hands as you show me what is sinful in me. And your sin may be something secret, uh, something simple. Oh, anybody that comes to me and says, well, I don't have sin, it's because you're saying the big ones as we measure sins. I don't have big sins in my life. Big or small, anything that we do that is contrary to the will of God, revealed in the Word of God, any attitude of our mind, any word from our mouth, any inclination of our heart, any thought that we have that is contrary to the will of God, revealed in the Word of God, friends, that's sin. And it creates distance between us and God. It breaks us. Part of our problem is that we don't take our sin seriously. 
But God does. He says, turn to me. Repentance isn't just feeling bad about the stuff that we've done. It's actually confessing to God, God, I know this breaks your heart and it's broken me. Yes, I'm a little broken today, oh God. I've sinned against you. Would you be willing today to rip open your heart before a holy God and say, God, will you pinpoint the sin in my life? Because repentance means we turn toward God, but it it also means that we find blessing from God. You see, if we're going to taste blessing, it, it flows along the river of repentance. If we're going to be restored, it flows along the river of our repentance. Oh, that. Stop. We've got to stop pointing to our circumstances and saying, that's what's wrong. It may be, but that's not where we begin. We've got to point to ourselves and say, God, is there anything in me that's blocking the power of your blessing in my life so that I might live secure and satisfied even when the locusts are eating my tomatoes? God, help me with these circumstances. And the first place I've got to start is anything that blocks my view of Him. Now, look, look at the last part of verse 13 and, and then into verse 14. It says, For God is gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger. <laughs> and He's of great kindness. He relents from doing harm. Who knows if he'll turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. You know what he's saying? He's saying, if we turn to God, God turns toward us. That's the way you survive those momentous, tragic events is God turns toward you. He takes hold your heart, and He takes hold your life, and He gives you strength, and He gives you nourishment for your soul, and He gives you comfort, and He gives you peace, and He gives you hope, 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 a confident expectation and a courageous enthusiasm for what's going to happen next. You know, the blessing of life is not money for my pocket. The blessing of life is not a new car in the drive. The blessing of life is not freedom from painful, uncomfortable circumstances. The blessing of life is walking every day hand in hand with the living God and Him taking care of me. That's the blessing. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we know that to be the blessing. If we're going to go from broken to whole here and now, let's begin with repent. What's blocking your passion for God, your view of God, your allegiance to God? What's blocking your faithfulness to God, your desire for God? What's blocking you and me 
from resting in God's embrace. Whatever that thing is, let's turn from it. And let's turn toward God Himself. Today I invite you to repent. Will you join me? You look in verse 15 and following. Just just look there. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather children and babies. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber, the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar, and let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nation should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? You know what? You know what? Part of repentance isn't just individual, it's corporate. Blow the trumpet. That's what we're doing right now. Call a sacred assembly. That's what this is right now. Gather together the saints, those who've been set apart by God as part of his family for special service. That's us here and now. Get together with the older people and the younger people and even the babies. That's right now. And what do we do when we're here together? We repent. Turn away from whatever is blocking our view of God, our allegiance to God, our faithfulness to God, our obedience to God. Turn away and turn toward God Himself. And when we turn to Him, He turns to us and He takes this broken man and He makes him whole again. This morning, I'm going to invite you to be restored through the power of repentance. We're going to repent, and I invite you to join me. I know that um, there's a level of discomfort whenever... um, you come into this place that we've been in for however long, and, and your place of comfort is sitting in your seat like a spectator. But you're not a spectator. This is corporate worship, and you're a participant, not just in the singing, but in the responding. And I know it can be uncomfortable to do something outside the comfort of your seat. But maybe, listen to my language, maybe that's exactly what you need to do today. A visible demonstration of a repentant heart. Not with empty ritualism, but ripping your heart open and saying, God, examine me. Is there anything unclean in me? And bringing it to the altar before the Lord 
and laying it down and saying, God, I repent of this. Maybe a visible demonstration is exactly what God would want you to do. And maybe right now you're like, oh, he's going to ask us to come up front and pray. And you're like freaking out and you're saying, I don't want to do that. But God, by his spirit, is telling you that's exactly what you need to do. And you're fighting against God right now. You're saying, I know that God may want me to go to that altar, but God, I'm not going to do that. That's not how you made me. I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. Don't ask me to do something that's uncomfortable. Please don't compound sin by disobeying God in this moment. Now, if he's not saying that to you, don't worry about it. It, 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 There's no judgment here. This is the safe place. I know God's calling me to this altar without a shadow of a doubt. And I'm going to lay on this altar. I'm going to rip open my heart. And I'm going to say, God, will you forgive and cleanse? And maybe God is calling you to join me. But if he doesn't, that's okay. But will you ask him, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to repent? God, show me, pinpoint those places in me that are contrary to you and your will. God, show me. I rip open my heart before you show me. I repent today. I invite you to repent. Because that's what God invites us to do. So that we might be restored. Would you bow your heads with me, please? In these next few moments, I know that reflecting is not always the most comfortable place for us to be. It's not always um, an easy place, but my goodness, if something's broken in us, we need to to acknowledge it and let God make it whole. But but that that, that means that there needs to be this process of repentance. And so I'm going to invite you to, either where you are or here at the altar, to join me in repenting before the Lord God Almighty. I'm going to invite you to be made whole today. See, this this should be a life-changing moment for you, for me. This moment should be a history-making moment for our church. Imagine what God can do with a people committed to repentance, to being made whole every day. Imagine how that God can accomplish His purposes through this family of faith made healthy and made whole. Oh God in heaven, By your spirit and through your word, you're speaking to your people right now. I pray, oh God, that you would lead us to repentance. To turn our whole heart before you, oh God. That we may be healthy. That we may be whole. Now. 
O God, be glorified as your people repent.